Blog Talk Radio. And I Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International on Blog Talk Radio and is made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Sharon Thomason, and I'm excited to have Genevieve Patch with us on the show today. Genevieve is the amazing author of Help for HD's book, I Fight for Understanding. She's both a nurse and a caregiver extraordinaire, and we're so excited to have her here with us today to talk about the latest Huntington's Post article that she wrote about survivor's guilt. This is a very important topic, and there are many in our community who feel this guilt. It's a topic that we need to address, and we need to support members of our community who are feeling survivor's guilt. Welcome, Genevieve, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here, and I hope that what we talk about today helps many people out there who are struggling with this. I am sure it will. There are so many people who are affected by this. So let's start by um, having you give us a little background about yourself and how Huntington's became such a big part of your life. Okay. Um, Well, like you stated earlier, I am a registered nurse, and I married into Huntington's disease when I was 21 years old. Um, We weren't told about the illness. And then later, we were informed. I had been married about a year when we found out that it was in the family. We have three sons, two who have tested positive, and um, one that remains at risk. And we have a granddaughter at risk. And there are 34 family members either dying from Huntington's disease or at risk from Huntington's disease on my ex-husband's side of the family. And I took care of his mother while she was in her end stages. And we lost her in December. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I I have seen you write so much about Nana that I I feel like I knew her. And I know how devoted you were to taking care of her. You're writing. Yeah. Your writing has been so helpful to so many people in our community and in a lot of the online groups. And also with your book, I Fight for Understanding um, 31 Days of um, Giving 
for Huntington's disease. How did you come up with the idea of writing those 31 days? Um, Well, as a caregiver, I felt like people needed something that they could reference quickly, and May is Huntington's Awareness Month. So I thought, Mm -hmm. well, why don't I just do it like a devotional and just give one tip a day for 31 days? And it kind of started a couple of years ago. I started doing that every May, just leaving something. And then actually Help for HD asked if they could publish um, one of the years, the 31 days. And that's kind of how it came about. Mm -hmm. And you originally posted these on um, an online group. I did. I yeah. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I posted them um, on several caregivers groups and then also on some of the mixed groups. And that was just my way of reaching out to caregivers and helping them do a better job. And so I posted one a day uh, each month of May on those online support groups. And it got such a good response that I really wanted to make that part of our, our May awareness month last year. And so we collected them into a book, and those books are in the hands of a lot of people. It's made such an impact on so many people, both in the HD community and in our professional community. Um, there are a lot of professionals who who have really appreciated the insights that you give. We were also lucky enough to have you write for us again. So um, this time for the Huntington's Post. So tell us a little bit about the latest article you wrote. Um, it was on survivor's guilt. And I just felt like it was an area that really needs to be addressed because um, it affects so many people in the community that are caring for others. Um, It can be a spouse that is not sick and whose family is not sick while they're watching their spouse and their entire family disintegrate, basically. Um, It can affect Mm -hmm. siblings that test negative when they have a positive it might be one child out of four that tests negative and everyone else positive. Um, and it can also yeah, that be... Was my... Go ahead. I was going to say that was the situation in my husband's family. There, there was one child out of four that tested negative. Yeah. yeah. And that can be a huge burden for that person because they can be thinking, well, why me? Why am I so lucky? You know, why are my siblings testing positive when they're such good people? And it can even sever relationships because the guilt can be so bad that maybe they feel embarrassed to be around their family members that have it and they don't. Maybe they can still form a really strong bond so that person Mm -hmm. kind of becomes the odd man out. Um, it right. can even be a child that tests negative and they have a, a positive parent. That child may feel, you know, guilty too because they're going to have more time with the healthy parent. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And I know I see a lot of posts on the different Facebook groups about people who are having struggles with with family members. Um, mm-hmm. Family members that uh, are just kind of absent. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, a like huge they, problem. They just, and I wonder if a lot of that is survivor's guilt. Oh, I would say it most definitely is. Um, because they get to carry on and have a normal life and they don't have to worry about their children and they can feel tremendous guilt watching their own life continue on in a normal way and it can make them feel really awkward that they have to watch a sibling um, die when they can do nothing about it and they didn't do anything to choose to be negative either. That's why. Yeah roll of the dice or a flip of the coin. Exactly. Um, So what are some ways that what are some ways that people act out the survivor's guilt? How, how, How does it impact individuals that that live in a family that's dealing with Huntington's or juvenile Huntington's? Um, I think one of the big contributing factors to the survivors, honestly, is depression. Because they, you might be, what if you're the only healthy one in your family and everyone else is going to die before you? So I think that survivor's guilt can cause a tremendous amount um, depression and I think that it can um, cause maybe a lack of function and um, communication because maybe they're afraid Mm -hmm. to talk about it out of feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. It can affect and they can act out by literally being cold and inattentive and, you know, not wanting to understand the person that is sick because they're they feel so guilty that they're not. Mhm. What about um, kids who who peer from the life of the, the parent who's been diagnosed? Do you think that's survivor's guilt? I do. I think it's not only survivor's guilt, but it's also sometimes it's it's shame they don't know how to interact and they they feel so guilty that you know if if a child tests positive and the parent is positive I've seen that form a bond even between like Scott and my boys it's almost like belonging to a private membership if you will Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because they have that one thing in common and they understand each other and I think that for a child if if that's the only child and they have one well parent and one sick parent, they may just completely not want to deal with it because it may have caused a lot of um, problems in the family. And so they just mm-hmm. kind of check out because they're, they're feeling guilty that they couldn't do more. They're feeling guilty for feeling resentment and, and feeling hateful towards that parent if it was a rocky relationship. 
can definitely sever, sever ties. Yeah. Well, it's a complicated thing psychologically, isn't it? I think after having dealt with this for the last 30-some years, I think it's one of the most common, I mean, complicated human illnesses I have ever encountered as a nurse. I never knew something could be so convoluted and it could affect everyone um, with so mm-hmm. many different mental aspects. And you and I were talking about this earlier that um, even as, as caregivers, how differently it affects us when it's our spouse and when it's our kids. So there are, oh, there yeah. are all these layers of, of just such complex relationships and feelings and interactions. I think somebody could write a a whole course just on that. Definitely. In fact, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say survivor's guilt can affect a mother or father that doesn't have the illness. Um, for me in particular, I've had to deal with this because I had chosen to adopt children when I heard that there was Huntington's in the family. And then due to my mother-in-law wanting to keep that from us, um, she told us she'd been tested and didn't have it. So we all went on to have kids. And for me, that caused me to feel so guilty as a parent, um, I I carried around tremendous survivor's guilt because I felt so guilty for having passed this on to my child because I would have never, never intentionally hurt my children or wished for this to be upon them. And so I think that a lot of parents that have children and then later find out about the illness, I think a lot of moms and dads carry that guilt because it's not something you can fit. And so parents are fixers. And we love our kids, and that can come with a huge amount of guilt because you directly or indirectly affected the life of your child unintentionally. Mm-hmm. I know. I've I've felt that most definitely. When our situation was we knew, we knew my husband was at risk, but this was before there was a, a genetic test. And yes. so there was you know, there wasn't any kind of predictive testing. But then we read he worked uh, on offshore oil rigs, and he got a copy of the New Orleans Times-Picayune while he was out on the oil rig, and in it was an insert of the Oshner report. And he read a little article that there was a new procedure, um, something that everybody's familiar with today, called chorionic villi sampling that could be done to test and see if a fetus had a disease. And it listed several diseases that they could test for. And one of the diseases they listed was Huntington's disease. Wow. We had learned to not have children. And he brought that article home to me, and we talked about it, 
and what the implications would be um, if I got pregnant and the fetus tested positive. Well, then that would tell us that that he had it as well. Yes. And was he ready yes. to know that? And then we would have to decide whether or not to terminate the pregnancy. So, you know, there were just a lot of things to think about. And exactly. we talked it all through and we decided that we were ready to go ahead and get pregnant. And I called the Ashner Clinic to make an appointment and they said, we're so sorry, that report was erroneous. We don't have a test for Huntington's. Oh, no. And so at, point, at this point, I was pregnant, didn't know if Paul had it or not, no test, because this was in, um, it would have been late 1984. Yeah. And no test, yeah. Test was Available until ninety three. So, in fact, yeah. Paul never had the genetic test. He was eventually diagnosed clinically. So, yeah, I have felt that guilt many times, and I've even asked my son if he was angry at me when he was going through some of his real bad anger phases. Ask him if he was angry at me for for having him. He yep. always said no. So, well, and that's something you—that's something that you could have never foreseen either. And it's hard to explain to other people that guilt that you're carrying around. It's really mm-hmm. hard to relate that to other people. People, my children yeah. interpreted that as I re- didn't—that I regretted them, and I by no means regret them. They're wonderful, but. It bothers me that they will have to deal with this. Yes. Yes. Because you don't wish any pain and suffering on your child. No. No parent wishes that for their child. No. And and you know that's inevitably what what will happen unless we get a cure in time. Exactly. And I think that that guilt probably is there for our JHD parents as well because uh, they're having to go through it with very young children and yeah, they're having to deal with a lot of be. very complicated things. Yeah, a lot of symptoms that are very different from the adult onset. And yes. I just can't even imagine. That's got to be the hardest thing in the world. I think it's probably every mom in this community, I think it's their biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except those that don't realize that there is such a possibility. Yep, and there are people who don't, especially because of misinformation that's out there. Yeah. I didn't know about it. Mm-mm. No, me neither. Andy had the genetic test when he was 18, and he started having um, pretty severe symptoms when he was 
21. And that's when I started doing lots and lots and lots of research. And that's when I found out about JHD. Up until then, I didn't know about it. That's actually how I learned about JHD, too. I was struggling to understand what was going on with my husband. And so because he was in the prodomal phase and things were so horrible at home that I just reading everything and joining online groups. And I had, you know, joined um, some chat rooms that were for Huntington's disease. And that's, I started finding out that there was this juvenile form. And um, so that's kind of how I learned too, is doing tons and tons of Mm -hmm. reading and research. And um, it's actually JHD. It's called the Westfall variant. And so it's a variation of the adult form. Mhm. And the I think the Westfall variant is the the one uh where there's little or no chorea. Yes. They're more rigid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting back to the survivor's guilt, what are some ways that you've found work to help someone get through the guilt? Um, one of the ways that I help is, of course, joining all the online groups that you can that are for people who don't have Huntington's but are involved with people with it. That gives you an outlet, mm-hmm. um, and it gives you, like, just a straight caregivers group or um, any kind of group you can join where you're not um, also in the group with people who are actually sick because then those people can unload those thoughts that they're feeling. They can um, find out if certain things are normal or part of the road, and they can admit to feeling guilty without being, you know, seen by someone who is sick because that could be taken the wrong way. Um, Other Mm -hmm. things that I find that help really well are journaling about it and just getting it off your chest and sometimes Mm -hmm. literally just, confronting the people in your family that have it and, you know, making sure that they know that you love them and that you're going to be involved through the long haul. And um, also sometimes seeing a counselor is extremely necessary, completely uninvolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody who's objective. Yes. And sometimes um, medication, antidepressants. Yes. I think that that's huge. For me, that was how I got over it, is by finally addressing that. Because you'll internalize it. Yeah, it's very important to get medication if you need it. Mm -hmm. Now, in your article, you wrote about being a way to step up. So tell us a a little bit about um, that concept. Um, Well, stepping away to step up is something that I ended up having to do. Um, I have a background of depression as it is. And um, when things got so overwhelming that I didn't feel like I was doing my job as a caregiver, I was so overwhelmed with the guilt. I was so overwhelmed with um, taking care of my mother-in-law and um, trying to deal with the impact of my ex-husband's behavior while he was in the prodomal phase that I finally just had to take some drastic steps 
and step away from the whole situation for a brief period of time. I had to finish raising my youngest son. So there are some families that get into situations that are extremely unsafe, and they can feel, once again, guilty if they need to put their loved one in a home or if they need to take time away from their loved one, like go on a vacation Mm -hmm. without them. But those are necessary Mm -hmm. for overcoming that guilt. If you don't step back and take care of you, just like putting, you know, the oxygen mask on, you know, yourself before you help someone else, if you don't, then you end up failing as a caregiver because you can't continue. I mean, I've seen caregivers mm-hmm. that can't get out of bed. And yeah. so it's really super important that you take care of yourself and get the help you need for yourself so that you can be strong enough. And I'm back in it again. I'm caring for Scott, who's living with me now. And I'm stronger. I can handle his rages now. I can handle... And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it. I'm not. We all fail. But I got to recharge my battery, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have a lot of guilt, sometimes you have to step away for a while. And you also don't have to worry now about keeping your child safe. Right. I don't have to worry about keeping my child safe. And I don't have to worry about um, Nana and her routine because she's passed on. So I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. keeping her safe either. Yeah. So circumstances change and we have to... Um, what are some other ways that, that people can step away? I mean, we, we've talked about putting someone in a home, going on vacation... Uh, maybe separation, sometimes even divorce is, is necessary. What are some other ways that people can just kind of step away for a little bit? Um, you know, even some people will use the support of their um, local church or maybe a visiting angels um, group or one of those other home care groups, and maybe they'll have someone come in for just, an hour or two a day or a couple times a week to help with baths or to let them have a break. One of the things that I used to do is um, I would go for a walk when there was someone else home um, so that and Nana was sleeping. I would just leave her there with the other adult and I would go for a walk. And sometimes just that walk, that hour a day to get away and regroup and refresh was, you know, enough for me, sometimes it's just going to mm-hmm. coffee with a girlfriend or, you know, going to the movies with someone who doesn't have HD. It's little things that you're doing for yourself to kind of replenish your bank um, and not make yeah. so many withdrawals. Yes, that's a, a really good putting it. Yeah. Um, you know, life really really changes with with Huntington's and it ends up making our lives not turn out the way we thought they would be. And yes, exactly. Sometimes that can be really hard and we may even find ourselves feeling resentful about it and then we feel guilty about feeling resentful and yep. so it's important to continue to to do 
as much as we can ourselves, I, I think, to, to bring some sense of normality to our lives so that it's not HD 24-7. Exactly. And even that in and of itself, um, one of the things I feel really strongly about is teaching caregivers not to feel guilty about having a good time outside of the HD world. Um, you can't. You have, If you want to survive and you want to be the best caregiver ever, you have to not feel guilty if you have stepped out and done something um, for yourself because it's just super important. Well, it makes you a better caregiver. It does. But, it does. Yeah, it, that sounds um, contradictory, but but it's true. It is true. Um, when you feel stronger, more rested, more at peace, you've had some time to declutter your mind, um, then you can get over, you know, that resentment because it, mm-hmm. you can get resentment resentful because your whole world sometimes centers around that and then you start thinking well why me why me and then you start feeling guilty you have that survivor <laughs> guilt of you know well why me so yeah yeah it can become a vicious circle if you don't take care of yourself absolutely but do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us um, yeah, there's something personal I'd like to tell you. Um, when we first had our children diagnosed, when the second one was diagnosed, um, I can't describe the tailspin that that put me into and the risk uh-huh. that it caused um, because I felt such overwhelming guilt that I had done this to my kids. And I felt I, I was harassed quite a bit by my husband because he couldn't understand why I would feel depressed and so I feel like if you're feeling really guilty um, if you're the only child that tested negative if you're the mother of children and you're just now finding out that this had been passed on or the father of children um, the thing that I would like to tell you is that none of this is anyone's fault and I do feel like every single person that crosses our path has a purpose And I will tell you that the one thing I've genuinely learned through Huntington's disease is that I've learned unconditional love. And I've learned Mm -hmm. to have an amount of compassion that I couldn't even possibly have learned any other way. And so although it's horrible and although I feel bad that my children have this, I also feel really blessed because they've taken life by the horns and they are living life. They're doing fine. And um, I see that magic and I see that strength and I see that inspiration in them. And it gives me the will to not feel guilty. It gives me the will to not feel bad because their life has meaning. They're wonderful. And Nana's life gave my life so much meaning. And so that's what I would like to pass on to other caregivers. You really get an opportunity to grow as a person. You do. And that's our job on this planet is to leave it in better shape than when we first arrived. Absolutely. Well, 
I also want to mention that Genevieve has written a chapter for the second volume of Life Interrupted. We don't have a publication date on that yet, but um, it's a beautifully written chapter, and that's something that our listeners can look forward to. We, we hope um, by summertime we'll be ready to publish it. We had hoped sooner, but, um, you know, things don't always go the way you planned in the in the world of HD, so we're getting there. And I want to thank <laughs> yes, you we so are. much for, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today and, and for everything that you continue to do to, to help and inspire the community. I just really love and appreciate you so much. Well, I love and appreciate you too, and I think the work that Help for HD is doing is amazing. Um, I'm so inspired by the and humbled by the fact that I get to do work for you guys because <laughs> years ago we didn't have this, and now we do. And I think there's a lot of people like you and like Katie Jackson and so many, many others that have just made it possible for caregivers to survive and for us to do a better job. Well, I think the difference is that we're, you know, we're a grassroots group. We, we're all living this. Exactly. And, that and we're lifting each other up. Yep. Well, thank you again. Um, you're welcome, and thank you. To, oh, you're so sweet. Tune in next week to hear Casey Harrington talk about the new gym, that's G-E-M, like a, a gym, uh, HD project. This is a very cool ecosystem, the way it's been described to me, of HD resources that are out there. Katie got to walk through this new website last week and she said it's just incredibly amazing what Casey has done to bring all HD resources and advocacy together in one spot. So Yay. we will hear about that next week. Also, if you're in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, join us for Cocktails for a Cure on April 20th. That's next week at the Outpost in Tampa, Florida. Um, more activities to, to come. Be on the lookout for a special announcement for May. And until then, everyone have a safe night, and may this be the year of the cure. Bye-bye.